0: Blue Iron. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy.
2: Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown. What's up everybody? Welcome to Strike and Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com and y'all are blessed tonight. You know why you're blessed? Because making his triumphant return to our ranks is none other than the host of Blue Wire's press coverage co- podcast. My incomparable partner, and co-host here on Striking Gold, the great Eric Crocker. What's up, dude?
1: Yeah, I I mean, it really feels good to be back, especially um, now that season is here, preseason is over. We have some really good things to talk about. Um, You know, heading into week two, coming off of a win, so uh, I'm excited to talk about some 49 football.
2: You sound excited, bro. You just sound out of your mind right now. You (laughs) You sound cool as ice, but... All right, so like like Eric said, we're coming to you. The 49ers have – it's Wednesday. The 49ers have played their first game of the season, and they won. They won their first game of the season. Uh, they went on the road all the way across the country to Tampa Bay, played in some pretty horrible conditions. And I would like to say, if none of you have ever experienced heat combined with humidity, it is horrible. It is – something else and I can understand mm-hmm. if you live there it becomes a little bit less horrible
1: No, but- it sucks even when you live there I, I went to college in Arkansas um, right next to you know Louisiana uh, it, no, no matter how long you're there it, it was terrible I was there for two years um, never got used to it it, it sucked matter of fact uh, quick story one day I think it was our first day in helmets my junior year of college I was a junior college transfer and it was so hot Like so hot. I told myself, if this is what playing football in the South is like, I'm going back home to California. (laughs) It was like 100 degrees. But like with the heat index, it was like it felt like 115 or something like that. It it was ridiculous.
2: Right. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. So my quick story regarding humidity was I've lived in Fresno all my life, Central California, which gets really hot, but there's almost no humidity. Now you would think there would be some because the fact that we live semi near the ocean but we're in a valley we're protected by most of the the bay weather so there's no humidity here and it's hot but it's not that hot not that kind of hot and I walked I was going I was going to Fort Knox Kentucky for basic training I was in the army in a past life and I went straight from the airplane into the airport into a bus, and when I got off the bus, I felt like somebody literally had a wet towel standing next to me and slapped me in the face. <laughs> I had no idea what just happened. I can't even begin to through this microphone describe to you the look that was on my face.
1: Yeah, I, you, did I you get those like beads it. of sweat? Did you get those like beads of sweat on your arms?
2: Dude, beads of sweat on my arms, and when you're in the army, you stand at attention. You stand still a lot, at least in formation, and there were just beads of sweat dripping down my back. And, it, and like I was, I had sweat on my knuckles. I had sweat on the tops of my hands, like places where I've never really sweat before. Like I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't understand it. I was just so frustrated. I was like, "What's happening? How is this real?" Yeah. And uh, like, you know, during when you're when you're in the army, you do a little like what they call field time, where you're like out in the in the forest training. And we would be out there for like five or six days, um, and then you'd come back in, shower and then basically in the same day head back out there and you'd just be camping out there doing your Army stuff. Well, you would shower, and you'd, the moment you walked back outside, you felt like you needed another shower.
1: Right, yep.
2: Instantly. So in a, from a player's perspective, it's incredibly difficult to stay hydrated. You're constantly sweating, and if you haven't been raised in that environment or at least become accustomed to it, which the 49ers weren't there for very long before the game, it will take it out of you incredibly quick. So, a lot of people are quick to like be how could how these guys be battling dehydration issues? How could Matt Breida come Man. off the field?
1: How could Robbie go the
2: kicker? How could the kicker come off the field for hydration? That is 100% understandable. Kwon
1: Williams, I don't even know if he played in the second half. Um, he right. was dealing with dehydration stuff. So. Right. Nice your muscles we'll will
2: start to seize up. You'll start cramping because you're not getting fluids to your body. It's insane. Okay. So what? that was just me setting the scene. But yeah, the 49ers won it. They managed to come through 31 uh, 17. It was a very ugly game. Uh, the 49ers had three touchdowns called back to penalties they ended up getting 11 penalties for 87 yards Uh, they turned the ball over twice one of them was a pick six uh, by the old jimmy g Um, but they managed to create four turnovers and we're going to talk about this more in detail in a little bit but my first takeaway from this game was the 49ers have a freaking pass rush okay now the buccaneers offensive line is not the litmus test you necessarily want to give your defensive line to understand if it's got a pass rush it's not very good um, neither is Jameis Winston, but yeah, right. The they came out firing on all cylinders. Oh,
1: wow. Also, though, I mean, people talk about offensive line and offensive line depth. There are not like the like the NFL has a shortage of offensive line. line. Right. So if right. you have a good offensive offensive line, you're in a really good place. Um, I think the 49ers just being able to send out five guys uh, consistently per week, um, just the guys that we have. Like, that's kind of a blessing because right now a lot of teams don't have that. So I know we get so accustomed to, like, you know, um, you know, watching our guys and knowing where our, you know, short shortcomings are. But a lot of teams are really struggling with offensive line talent and depth.
2: Right, right. So that's and, – and and so that, to Kroc's point, he's saying the 49ers are going to find themselves at an advantage frequently throughout the season. They have a – an unreal amount of depth at the defensive line. They have five first round picks um, and they, and the guys that are backing them up are solid. You know, when your backups are Solomon Thomas, DJ Jones, uh, Ronald Blair, guys that have already proven that they can get in there and make something happen. Guys that could probably see a bigger starting role on other teams, um, you know, are, are your backups. You're in good shape. So to, to, to my point, what I was saying is that, that they were, they were able to put something on tape. They were able to create, uh, you know, waves and create turnovers and show up on the stat sheet. Uh, D. Ford had a sack. Nick Bosa had a sack. Um, it's just the guys that you want to see create these things. Are creating them, and at least in week one, Nick Bosa had three quarterback hits. D. Ford had one. Uh, Nick Bosa had a tackle for loss. Uh, Pro Football Focus actually had Nick Bosa with two sacks, and I know they got that because at one point Eric, Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa kind of met the quarterback at the same time.
1: I'm surprised um, the NFL didn't give him a half sack for that. As soon as right, I saw I that, I thought half sack.
2: Right, they were they were both there, so it, it was interesting. So. Kind of Eric Armstead should have 0.5 instead of one. Nick Bosa should have 1.5. Pro Football Focus had him with uh, six total pressures, which was the best of any rookie and then his success rate as a pass rusher was the third best out of any defender. So the guy who they took overall, a number 2 overall is instantly stepping up and that's with a limited amount of practice. You know, he had a he, he's been dealing with that ankle injury. He's probably not going to practice much that much this week because of that ankle injury. I don't I don't think he'll have any problem going on Sunday, but they're probably just going to rest him. But and that's why this guy, well, that's why they took this guy number 2 overall. He's a pro as a rookie. He knows what he's doing. He's incredibly refined. That's not to say there's not stuff he's not going to learn because he's going to learn a lot, especially when he, goes, when he goes. But, I mean, the Buccaneers' offensive tackle, is it Donovan Smith? Don- Donovan? I, I don't
1: know his name, but I know uh, Bosa was whooping his ass. Well, there was a few times um, the left tackle got Bosa. Um, Bosa fell down kind of a lot. Um, he does fall down a
2: lot, bro. down a lot.
1: His change of direction, obviously, right now is kind of poor coming off of the uh, – the high ankle sprain and just kind of, you know, getting back in the swing of things. Um, I mean, the the dude hasn't really played any football, meaningful football, in a really long time. So, uh, you know, rusty or, you know, still kind of hurt or whatever. I guess you expect some of those things. But um, overall, like you said, I mean, six quarterback pressures. Right, right. So, okay.
2: So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. I could we could talk about the pass rush. I could talk about that all 30 minutes, and then we'd be done. We would get no, nothing else. So what, what what do you want to hit on, Croc? Uh, what was any, one of your big takeaways from the game?
1: Um, I, I think overall, I, I saw a lot of people asking what what do you, what what's the under over for 49ers takeaways in the game, and a lot of that had to do with the lack of takeaways, interceptions, um, just heading into. This season, right? Last year, only five total takeaways, two total interceptions. And people knew that the Buccaneers, led by James Winston, and really uh, Fitzpatrick last year, you know, they're prone to turning over the ball, right? Throwing interceptions, making mistakes. And there was a lot of that. (laughs) You know, there was a lot of that. Uh, It it was really good to see the 49ers get their hands on so many balls. Uh, There were two just flat-out drops, so, on top of the three interceptions that the 49ers did get, which was great because that's more than we had all of last season, uh, there were you know still more opportunities. I think Travis Moore uh, dropped one on the goal line that, uh, I mean, James Winston got knocked down. Like There was nobody there to catch him. He runs a 4-3. He would have scored. It, it would have been a 100-yard interception return. Um, also, Quan Alexander, in his short time playing, he dropped an interception. And I, I know a lot of people thought he would have – gotten the pick six, I, I don't think so. I think he would have gotten tackled. But uh, you know, would have put the 49ers in good field position and, you know, just would I mean there was really an opportunity for five interceptions. For five. Like legit five picks that just hit our guys' hands. Uh so I think more than anything, I think the pass rush had a lot to do with that. Jameis Winston also, you know, just what he's prone to do, uh, had had a lot to do with that as well. But that that's one really like. That's probably the biggest takeaway when it was good to see a pass rush, it was good to see the takeaways because that that travels no matter who you're playing against.
2: Right. It was awesome to see Richard Sherman get his first pick with the 49ers. And not <laughs> yeah. only was it his first pick with the 49ers, it was a pick six. He was basically running the route for the uh I think it was running back actually. I think it was Ronald Jones.
1: Yeah, I, I actually stood he, up. I was so excited. Yeah. I mean, good was, job. good for him.
2: He was just – it looks like a ball that was thrown right to him when it really was. If you know anything about Sherman, he was he was kind of just guessing – not guessing, but predicting the route. So he kind of ended up – and even uh, uh, Bruce Arians said that uh, Ronald Jones ran the wrong route and he should have been where the ball was. Well, Richard Sherman was where the ball was. So it, that's an interesting you know, pick for him. I'm glad he finally got one with the Niners because obviously the guy's – Overflowing with talent. It just quarterbacks weren't really throwing his way. So my second takeaway is what is going on at receiver? Because the 49ers have a whole lot of, mm, I don't know, going on, you know, like uh, George Kittle was far and away the most productive pass catcher. He caught eight passes for fifty-four yards. You know, some of the obviously not a not a huge yardage total, but he was targeted eight times and caught eight passes. Okay, which is good. Obviously, George Kittle is worthy of being a featured part of the offense, but that's going to get a lot more difficult for that guy if some of the other wide receivers don't start uh, becoming a reliable target. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, it, it was good though, to see him be more of a possession guy. I, I tweeted that out about right, him adding right. that element to his game. A lot of people wanted to anoint him as the top you know, tight end in the league just because he led the league and broke a record, right, in um, yards. But I I wanted to see him add that element to his game um, before I kind of just gave him that spot. And clearly, you know, he is the big play guy that nobody else that tight end has shown to be. But to see him be able to line up on the outside and just run a slant and win multiple times in the clutch, that was what I wanted to see more than anything because that's what we saw from Rob Gronkowski, right? When they needed plays, you saw it in the AFC Championship game. They lined him up. He had Eric Berry on him, and he just would run a slant, and you know, and convert for first down. And we saw that down the clutch, uh, down the stretch, in the, in, in the clutch, uh, a couple times. So, yeah, you know, not a huge yardage game for him. Probably would have been better if those two touchdowns weren't taken away. But just seeing him, you know, be able to be. Not only, you know, stretch the field like we know you can do, but just that possession guy to win with his routes on the outside. I, I was extremely impressed by that.
2: Yeah, me too. And, and you and I have had this conversation, whether it was on Twitter through text, like the biggest part of Kittle's game that I want to see show up is he it's him against a DB or a safety or a linebacker in the end zone. Go up and get the ball. And right. don't let anybody else beat you for it. And he kind of was showing a little bit of that off. And to your point, you know, uh, when you run that slant and, you know, all you have to do is get your body in between the quarterback and the DB and I'm going to catch this and there ain't nothing he's going to do about it behind me. That's that's the quality that we started to see, you know, and and, and, I, and good on Shanahan for the guy is so smart and and he's pretty self-aware. Even George Kittle broke the record last year, and he probably, at least in the beginning of the season, was not a featured part of that offense. He's a great aspect of it, but now knowing what he has, Shanahan can go forward, knowing what he can give Kittle and, and how he can feature him and what he can, how he can scheme him open, and it's even more than he already has.
1: You know, yeah, so, and I think everybody wants like a wide receiver one, and I think right now, like you know, you you talked about what's going on there, who's going to step up. I think until we figure out who is going to step up, and there's a lot of young guys there trying to figure it out right now. I think it is a, it, it's not a negative to have a guy like like Kittle have to be your wide receiver he, one. He, or he you know, plays like a he. receiver,
2: he, right? He, you know, he's a huge receiver, and, okay. he's, and he's just as fast as a lot of these receivers. Right.
1: So, so, so that's fine. Okay. There's no quote unquote wide receiver one, but right. Kittle is our wide receiver one. So, who's going to be the wide receiver two to kind of step up? and take some of the pressure off of him. Because no matter how you look at it, uh, opposing teams just look at, tar- like, who are the targets, who are the receivers, um, and they include tight ends in that. So whether they have to game plan for Julio Jones or did they have to game plan for, you know, George Kittle, they, they still have to game plan for someone. So who's going to w- play off of that, that number one guy? So, yeah, we would like to see more – um, production from our outside guys. I think they had a combined seven touch, uh, seven catches, and three of those were from uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, I, I think we'll we'll see Debo kind of turn into that guy. I think that's that that's who's going to be. You, you had to ask like you know what, what's going on, what, what's going to happen. I think Debo's going to turn into that guy. It's just going to take time and well, he had that one catch
2: change. on that slant route that was just mean like oh yeah you, got in, you know that was the type of catch that you just want to see from any receiver it wasn't easy whatsoever that db was right there and he basically outfought him for the positioning and went up and got the ball and then added some yards after the catch you know so and that's that's his debo samuel is a slant god if you don't know that just just watch debo Samuel and what he does with slants man he's he's a god but but what i was saying and what we're kind of say here is you know debo samuel had the most. He had three receptions for 17 yards. Uh, Richie James had had one, he had his touchdown catch. It was pretty, it was a good route, uh, kind of a seam slash uh, worked his way to the outside. 39-yard touchdown, beautiful throw from Jimmy G. Uh, Marquise Goodwin had one catch for seven yards. Kendrick Bourne, one catch for nine yards. Dante Pettis, one catch for seven yards. And Pettis was kind of anointed as going to be the guy after how well he finished in 2018. And he had an up-and-down training camp, not the greatest, inconsistent, not that reliable well, we talked of, about yeah.
1: that too. Not to cut you off, but we we, we talked oh, about good. that during during camp, right? I mean, we one of our first um, episodes of uh, Strike and Go. Uh, I'm pretty sure one of the first couple of episodes we spoke about how you know he was he had been inconsistent, and I think now it's like a big thing because it's regular season. It's like wow, he's really not you know out there like that. But we we saw that, and I I remember even writing about how if you know. Richie James was named anybody else, I think he would have been talked about more, and I thought that, you know, watching practice, Pettis wasn't doing anything, not just doing anything, like he was dropping passes, he just, what he was getting bullied by Keller Witherspoon, um, he just didn't look good, and I think that's kind of carried over. Now, whether he can get out of it, I mean, we've obviously seen the skill set and know that he can play the game of football, but he, he just has to get his confidence back or whatever he has to do, he has to figure it out. But there are some young guys right now who I think, um, you know, I, I don't knock Shanahan for kind of using those guys more, right? the Debo Samuel, the the Richie James. And, I mean, what, what, I mean, we want to talk about somebody that's supposed to be a guy. What's up with Marquise Goodwin? And I had tweeted out right before the season started, like, why do people love Marquise Goodwin so much? Like, what has he done? And even now, you know, we watched the last game. Where was Marquise Goodwin? Now, may- maybe it's – maybe it is Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to find him or whatever the case is, but I didn't even see him uh, – there was one deep crosser that he kind of dropped. It was kind of behind him. Uh, Jimmy threw kind of behind him, but – yeah, it was yeah. A,
2: it was a rough throw but also it was one of those that you know I'm it's a former star. You know, like if that ball gets anywhere in your radius that's that's your pride. That's you have your it's your that you have to adjust. And you have to catch it. That's that's your respect. That's your that's your job. Like yeah. most if, if guys would have stopped
1: what what guys do is they kind of like jump a little bit and turn their body in the air cuz it, it so if you leave your feet it kind of slows you down, right? So they would jump a little bit turn their body, adjust, and catch the ball, and just catch it falling backwards. What he did was try to catch the ball while still running full speed straight ahead. So that is not going to happen. So unless you just have like like super strong hands, and that's not the case with uh, Marquise Gilbert. He does make tough catches sometimes, but he just doesn't consistently have like those just, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins hands.
2: Right, and I don't I don't envy Jimmy G for having to throw a crosser to a guy who runs like a four two something, you know what I mean? Like right. that, that dude's moving laterally in front of you. That's a hard target to hit, and that's just Jimmy G, that's Jimmy G's job. That's he's got to get that that, yeah. that coordination and that chemistry down. But that's no easy task, man. The faster the guy is, and if he's moving laterally to you, uh, the harder it is to hit a moving target. You know, but I'm not I'm not going to make excuses for Jimmy G. But speaking of Jimmy G. Um, Croc's already put it out on Twitter. He's got something to say, and, and it's about the old Jimmy G. And this is going to segue us. Um, after he talks about Jimmy G, I'll give a little word from our sponsors, and and we, he's going to segue us into um, into our talk about the 49ers and the Bengals. So tell us, tell us what you got, Croc. What are you feeling on Jimmy G right now?
1: Right. So my thing is, you know, am I sold on Jimmy Garoppolo? No. But I, I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo play – Very well, right? We we've seen him play at a high level. We we've seen him lead game-winning drives. Um, We've seen it. Now, even then, he hasn't played very many games. He has played what? He has started eleven games. Not eleven games. He's won nine of them, but he started only eleven games. So, and not eleven games with Kyle Shanahan. So he's gonna have his ups and downs. He's gonna miss. Things right. He he, there was a play where um, against cover four where you had I think George Kittle ran a corner route and Kendrick Bourne ran a post underneath it and the post was open. It was well. Those are things that he's gonna have to learn within running this offense, like you know and, and see things like that. He's just not there yet. Now the more he plays, he'll get there, right? He'll get there. You hope he'll get there, but his talent, the talent is there, the ability is there. His mind and mental processing of what Kyle Shanahan is asking him to do has to catch up, but, it, you know, just give him time. It, it was one game. It was one game. And, we, like I said, we've seen good. We've seen some bad, right? We've seen some up and down. Within within that, we still won a game. So what can we – What I just want to see him, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I would love to see him be super good, consistent, but he's not there yet. If we're still having the same conversation by week 10, then I'd say, yeah, it's a huge issue. But right now, one game, coming off of a torn ACL, um, okay, some up and down. Looked good against the Chiefs in that last uh, third preseason game. I, I, I think uh, people are kind of hitting the panic button. It didn't, it didn't just say, you know, Nick Mullins. It, it was some dude that was, you know, he, he keeps talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. I have no, I have no idea why some CN guy. I'm blocked from, from, from for whatever. Oh, I, 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 know what you're talking
2: about. I think it's Kyan. Kyan. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know um, how to say his he name. He
1: keeps it's- talking about, he keeps talking about, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Nick Mullins. I, I don't know why, but it's like, dude, it, you guys are talking about, like, that's not something that Nick Mullins is a serviceable backup. That's what he, he's a serviceable backup. You don't want him to have to be your starter. You don't want to have to bench somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo for him. I don't care what the numbers say. He did not play winning football um, in his time. Now, again, he's young. Maybe you can learn. But even then, I don't see the attributes that I would like to build around. I don't see the arm strength. Um, I don't see the mobility. There are a lot of things that I didn't see from him that is like, man, maybe that could be a guy. And that's why they like people. Well, what's this thing with Bethard? Well, Bethard has a stronger arm than Mullis. Better this more athletic. We saw him run a 78-yard touchdown his rookie year against the Chargers. Um, you know, there's just certain things that, it, you know, I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan is looking at like, damn, if I can only get this guy to process the game quicker, like a Nick Mullins, right? And that but Mullins, he's good for what he is. A serviceable backup. If he had to play a couple games, um, I'm I'm more than fine with that, with him filling in. I think we'd all be comfortable with that, right? But as far as being a long-term starter guy, that's why I'm benching Jimmy Garoppolo for after one game. Hell no, and we shouldn't have that conversation. People look at these numbers, stats are, they don't tell the full story. Even during Jimmy uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's five-game winning streak um, in 2017, you can look at just passing yards, touchdowns, interceptions, and it, it probably didn't look like anything special. But when you look at time of possession, um, yards per drive uh third down conversions. Uh I mean he was number 1 in all of those things and those when you are things watch I watch the game. Right, and when, when you watch, watch the game, the game. I, game. I, I feel like those are things that lead to wins and that was why he won. So um Grant Cohn, I love Grant Cone. I think he's good. I like that he has a different perspective on things and I like that he's edgy but he said what does Jimmy Garoppolo do better than Nick Mullins? And my answer was simple. Win. Because Jimmy Garoppolo plays a winning brand of football. Now, is he a little reckless here and there? Yes. Are there a lot of things that he can um, improve on and get better at? Yes, I've said that already. But to to compare him to Nick Mullins, I, I wouldn't go that far.
2: No, and I wouldn't go that far either. But what I'm going to look up literally right now as I'm typing this is when did Matt Ryan come into the league? Okay, he was drafted in 2008. So essentially Matt Ryan was in the NFL for like six or seven years before he was ever given the opportunity to work with Kyle Shanahan. Okay, and when, in Matt Ryan's first year in that offense, he struggled quite a bit. I wouldn't necessarily say he had a bad season, but he struggled quite a bit in Kyle Shanahan's offense to the point of frustration. I remember seeing uh, a game where the fans were starting to boo because they were just not happy with how the offense was playing. Well, they
1: lost to the 49ers that year, and the 49ers were right. really bad. that's what
2: it was. Maybe that's why, yeah, maybe that's why I heard about or at least remember it. So it's if a, a quarterback that is that experienced and had started that many seasons. Still has to wrap his mind around Shanahan's offense, and just give Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit of a break. Like, give him some time, and especially the fact that he started 11 games. Um, yes, he's had two off seasons with the team now, so he's learning it. I'm not. I'm not going to give this guy a laundry list of excuses for which he can check for which ones he wants to use, but. Give him some time. Not only that, and to Crocker's point, and you never really mentioned it, is the dude is coming off a torn ACL, the first torn ACL of his life. And if you don't know how the mechanics of a quarterback's throw work, especially one who throws the ball as quick as Jimmy G and one who's used to throwing it that quick – A torn ACL can have a huge impact. It all starts in your feet, anchoring your feet, twisting your legs and your hips and building the torque. And then the arm is almost like the secondary. Then you're just whipping that thing around and throwing the ball. So there are going to be throws that Jimmy Garofalo is used to making that he's still got to realize that he might not be able to make because of that injury and because of the way he's he's as he slowly recovers it he'll find himself making those throws more often but you gotta give the guy at least a little bit of a of a grace period to, to rebuild himself back up whether that's mental toughness physical toughness physical ability so it's just give the guy some time give the guy some time so right. with, that, with that being said uh, we gotta give a shout out to our sponsors and we are picked up a new one this week and Jimmy Garoppolo was wearing a pretty clean suit after the game so we're talking, we're talking suits here, and we all know we all want to look like Jimmy G. So, to that point, every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. There's one problem. Guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. I'm guilty because the suit has a price tag. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to get the outfit for their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, any Striking Gold listener... Can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when you enter the Blue Wire code at checkout. Okay, and the shipping is free. So big time savings there. That's Indochino.com, promo code Blue Wire for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal. Premium, made to measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. So if you want to look like Jimmy G, has nothing to do with his face, has nothing to do with his illustrious jawbone. Just get the suit. Just get the suit. Moving on. We got one more sponsor to bring your way. If you found a hundred dollars on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? I mean come on. Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners every week? Like you're gonna pick the Niners on Sunday and not betting on them. That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, easy. They pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important and who you are betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half, you're sucking, you're losing, you realize you're about to lose a lot of money, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. My first ever parlay was on the 49ers-Rams game. When Chip Kelly took over, I won that one and I stuck with that. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code BlueWire. Activate your offer. That's promo code BlueWire. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You'll play, you'll win, you'll get paid. Boom. Let's keep moving. All right. So the, this Sunday, the 49ers are playing the Bengals. And Crocker, is it fair to say that our opinion of the Bengals now is a little different than our opinion of the Bengals was four days ago?
1: Yeah, in a the sense, they, they can really compete, right? I mean, they have a new head coach. The whole Marvin Smith era is over with. So I thought that there would be a little bit more of a transition period. But, you know, just one game. Um, you know, I actually have the game on now. And they, they look like they can compete, uh, I, I think. Uh, but my... My thoughts on it being a winnable game for the 49ers, that hasn't changed.
2: No, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And if anything, it's kind of like twofold for me. My confidence in the 49ers grew quite a bit based on what I saw from Sunday. And my respect for the Bengals also grew just a little bit. If you don't know, uh, the Bengals went to Seattle and gave them a run for their money. Uh, they lost 20-21, to 21, and they probably should have won that game. They had three turnovers. I believe Andy Dalton was responsible for two of them, and the other one was a special teams fumble, I believe, if, I'm, if I was watching the right game. So the Bengals very well could have traveled to Seattle and beaten the Seahawks. Now, they did have, the Bengals do have, and still will have, uh, the advantage of having a brand-new head coach with, who's running a system that many are not sure exactly how it works yet. Uh, now, the 49ers, luckily – Uh, will have the Seahawks tape to go from. So they'll have a little better idea of what's going to be coming at them. It's not foolproof. There's probably plenty of stuff in the Bengals playbook that the 49ers are going to have to worry about, and they're not going to know it's coming. So it's just a matter of, you know, kind of going through and breaking down who who from the 49ers needs to have a game in order to kind of seal that up. And a lot of the guys that stepped up in the Bucks game are still going to be guys that need to continue to step up in the Bengals. Okay, so And I'm going to let you talk on this, Crocker, because it's what I'm thinking too. But what did you see from the secondary during the Bucks game, the 49ers secondary, that'll give you confidence, that gives you a little bit of confidence against the Bengals? Maybe a little bit more confidence than we had before.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing to me, and I've kind of been a big advocate of the 49ers secondary, thinking that, you know, the, the, the we have the guys there. It's just about consistency um, and not blowing coverages. And that was something that we didn't really see, right? Um, we didn't see the defense get exposed on, you know, just things that they are doing wrong. So even just something that simple, guys just understanding their responsibilities and Understanding where their weaknesses are, and playing and and playing to cover up their weaknesses, but playing to their strengths. If they can continue to do that, they're going to be a good secondary, and they're going to challenge most teams. Now, I still saw some things where it's like, man, Sherman. Okay, so Sherman um, ran down the field right and broke up a ball on Mike Evans, and they called they that was the play that they ended up reviewing right, and right. calling. Uh, pass interference, well, he the, the, what, what Sherman did is something that I see him do a lot um, lately. I, I don't know why he does it. Now, it worked in his favor on that play because Mike Evans did run down the sideline, but I've seen him do it other times where a guy isn't running down the sideline and the guy runs a slant, and he just comes free underneath, untouched, and, I mean, he can really catch a run. So things like that kind of worry me, with with him a little bit, but outside of that, I thought everybody else played well, and I thought that it's a, a play and guys that can be consistent. And you have Jimmy Ward coming back. Um, Tarverius more I, I I know a lot of people he's like like a fan favorite right now at free safety position. I
2: think a lot of that has to do with hope more than like the, the yeah. I, I think a lot of his the hope, spotlight.
1: It's it's a lot. Of um, I, I think he really struggles tackling. Like he he really struggles um and it's not like we saw him jump any passes and break balls up other than the one on the five yard on the goal line which was only what you know two yards away from the end zone so that was great it was a great you know um maybe save the game right but uh I, I didn't see anything that's just like okay this guy's just so much better than Ward um and I also think that the lack of tackling is something that would kind of worry me a little bit with the guy that's coming up running the alley so I kind of expect Ward to be back in the starting lineup. Um, we'll see how that goes. But there are some coverage things that I would do with Ward, like have him guard a guy like John Ross a little bit more. Uh, we saw him in the preseason. Uh, we saw, yeah, we saw Ward cover Tyreek Hill in the slot. We saw him cover uh, Miko Hartman in the slot. I mean, these are four, three guys. Um, that's a, that's an extremely tough task. So, If he can continue to do those type of things and, you know, we put him on a guy like John Ross, who's, you know, just as fast as the other two guys, I think he gives us the best chance to kind of match up against that. You know, if we kind of go to more of a man type uh, scheme, which that's what I would do for this game. Um, I'm not scared of their receivers outside of Ross, who I think is just extremely fast. Um, I think his numbers... From last game, I think people look at it and be like, oh, man, we got to watch out for John Ross. He had four catches, whatever, for 160 yards. But when you watch the games, his numbers were extremely inflated. He had, like, four drops. Um, I think that the, the, the two huge plays that he had weren't plays that I think consistently happened throughout a season. Um, one was a wheel route on a flea flicker. So it was kind of like schemed up on the quicker. He kind of leaked out. Um, the other one, the quarterback just threw it up into double coverage, and the safety, for whatever reason, was standing there, like just standing there looking at the ball. He jumps up, and he just completely misses the ball. So those are the things that I think will happen consistently. Um, so I, I'm still – the jury's still kind of out on John Ross and who he is and what he'll be um, this upcoming game. Outside of that, I think Tyler Boyd is – solid, but I have no issues putting somebody like a uh Akela on him and saying, Hey, Akello, wherever Boyd goes, you go and don't let him catch the ball. And I feel like that's a task that, that that's somebody who I think he'll have trouble against somebody like Akello Witherspoon. Um and you know there's no AJ Green, there's no Joe Mixon. I think the defense the secondary is gonna come come out strong. The defense in general, uh they can they can get after something we'll we'll talk about that Uh, Bengals offensive line, too. I mean, just super, super wounded. Uh, I think the Bengals are in trouble. I I think they're in trouble. The only thing that they have working for them is it's an away game for the 49ers, and we'll see how focused they are, how focused have they been in Youngstown. Um, You know, you don't have your regular routine and things that you typically do. Uh, Outside of that, I I don't – I'm not – I'm still – I hear other people talking about the Bengals like, oh, well – Watch out for them. No, I'm not. I I think this game can get ugly. It can get ugly, especially if 49ers offense just plays a little bit better.
2: Right, right. And, and, And just to hit on some of the things you were just talking about. The John Ross numbers are super inflated. Now, that's not to say that something like a flea flicker can't also inflict some damage on the 49ers. But it's just not a common play. It's not a good sample size. It's not something you want to take and say, well, this is always going to happen consistently because it won't. One of them was a flea flicker, and he made the, the, the one guy miss and was a pretty easy walk and touchdown for about 40 yards. And then the other one, like you were saying, the safety was in perfect position. Like, this should have been an easy pick. Like, go up and get it. Pick it off, run it back for forty yards, and 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 call it a day. and send to Seahawks offense out there, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't know this. I don't know his name. I can't remember the Seahawks safety's name. But he came up to make the play, and he just flat-footed it. Kind of waited for the ball to come down, misjudged it by literally about a yard and a half. Went up, and the ball just went over his hands right into Ross. So it's right. Like, and it
1: wasn't like Ross like jumped no, Ross over. Go and get guys or anything like that. He like like oh look look like. He missed it. (laughs) Like, thank you. you Those either Tedrick uh, Thompson or McDonald. Those are their or McDougal or whatever. Those those are their two. uh, The Seahawks too. Thompson,
2: but it was just it was a silly play, one that most of the safeties in this league are going to make. It was crazy. So, I'm not as concerned about John Ross either. Uh, He hasn't done anything in the NFL over his period. I think he's been in it for three years now uh, to, to really warrant any type of real threat. He did have a good game. I'm not taking away from that, but it's just, it's, it's not the type of game where he just was dominant and nobody could cover him. And he was making people look silly. It was just kind of a weird, weird game. Um, you know, I wouldn't even get too invested in him in fantasy. Like It's just, I don't think that's going to be something that sustains itself. But um, like you mentioned, I'm really thinking the 49ers have, and this will be the case often, but the 49ers have a real chance to get after uh, Andy Dalton and you know the, the Seahawks defense was able to do pretty well uh, in defense the the Bengals were relying a lot on their kind of quicker over the middle pass game with a few deeper passes uh, kind of sprinkled in the the Bengals offensive line gave uh, let me see five sacks. They game up five sacks to the the Seahawks defensive front, which is good, but I don't think it's it's 49ers good. And, you know, I think DeForest Buckner is going to come out in this game and kind of a little frustrated for how uh, the, the last game went for him. He wasn't able to quite able to have the impact uh, he would normally have, which is OK, considering he's been having that impact. It's time for a few other people to help take the load off that guy's shoulders. Um, but one of the things I noticed about the 40 49ers, 49ers like little wide wide nine alignment is and I don't and I'm not an expert on the offensive line and where their assignments will be, but it seems like it's going to leave Buckner open to a lot more double teams because he's a bit more on an island there towards the middle. And if they're running any kind of a zone blocking scheme or any scheme that really dictates blocking the most dangerous man or anybody that's in this area, he might face a lot more double teams. So it could be a rough season for him. I know that the 49ers were hoping to give him more space in that wide nine alignment room for him to work and do his thing, but it also could subject him to more double teams, which – I've seen him take on double teams in outstanding ways, and I've seen him get just get blown up. He's a tall guy. So if he gives up that height to two different offensive linemen at the same time, uh, a lot of times he's going to end up on his butt. So it's, it's just it's tough. So but that, I'm kind of digressing here. I really think the, the defensive line in the pass rush is going to have some success. Against the Bengals, and just like they were against the Bucks, I think they are going to be a huge like hinging point for creating turnovers. For if Jimmy Garoppolo is struggling again, which he could, you know, it's another away game. We'll see. I don't think the Bengals' defense really offers anything that should give Jimmy Garoppolo struggles. They
0: don't. Their, really... their
1: front is solid, but is. You know, like, luckily is. for us, um, you know, the Forty offers offensive line. They, they just came off of a really strong game. Um, you know, if they can have something similar like that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo should be just fine. And that's really the strength of their team, the, you know, the defensive ends. Uh, I, I think I, I outside of that, and I don't want to make it seem like the 49ers are just some loaded team, but the 49ers do have – it is a talented roster. You know, I think the biggest thing for everybody this year was well, we just want to see it. Like, can they prove that they can win? Um, do we all know that the talent is there. So, you know, even going into this Bengals game, I I don't want to make it seem like, oh, the 49ers are just so great they're just going to crush these guys. I just don't think that the Bengals match up very well with what the 49ers' strengths are. And I think that's the reason why I think this game can get out of hand for the Bengals. It's not so much to say that I think the 49ers are great or that the Bengals are just really that bad. I just think 49ers' strengths in their defensive line against a poor offensive line, 49ers' strengths against, you know, with the 49ers' offensive line – can kind of neutralize the best part of the Bengals team, which is their uh, defensive line, uh, their defense, uh, I I think the 49ers would be just fine in this game.
2: Yeah, some of the guys I'm looking forward to watching from the 49ers. Uh, I'm just going to kind of run through the roster, kind of highlight some guys here. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if Dante Pettis gets out there more. Uh, He's still kind of dealing with that. I think it's a calf injury. I don't know how much that is keeping him from practicing uh, this week. I didn't notice if he was on the injury report or not. Um, I just – I'm a teacher by day, if you didn't know that. So during the day, I'm a bit locked down by everything that's going around, but I want to see if he gets out there, if he can have more of an impact. Uh, it's, it's just, I know what he's capable of, especially against a team that's not his own. Uh, you know, he looked tremendously better in regular season action than he did in training camp, going against guys that kind of know what he can do and know what kind of the routes he's running stuff like that. I feel like uh, he'll have more success once he gets out of there on the field against a different defense. Uh, another guy I'm, I want to watch or at least pay a little bit more attention to is Weston Richburg, the center. Um, he made his first start week one. He participated in none of the offseason, essentially a couple practices and came out and made a start. I didn't pay much attention to how much success he was having, but the 49ers offensive line as a whole looked pretty good. They only allowed one sack, I believe against the Bucks. So the Bengals are going to be coming at them with quite a bit more than the Bucks were, you know, Sam Hubbard had a pretty good game against the Seahawks, two sacks, two saps. Dunlap had one. Um, so it's, it's, it, it they'll, I think the Bengals will be coming at them with a little bit more depth at, at defensive line. Um, uh, who else on offense am I looking forward to? I want to see if George Kittle can kind of reproduce that, uh, like what we were talking about earlier, can he continue to be that eight catch guy, ten targets, eight catches? You know, the him and the chemistry that Garofalo and Kittle develops is kind of important because the majority of Kittle's success last season came with other quarterbacks, it came with CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. So it was good to see in Week One those two share that connection uh, when they really haven't had it before. They haven't had a chance to really develop it all that much. So that was good. Um, a couple guys on defense, Akella Witherspoon, dude, that guy. I believe, had the game of his life last Sunday. Like, dude, he was outstanding. He was their highest-graded defender, the 49ers' highest-graded defender. Um, he was on Mike Wevens really, really well. Mike Wevens, it almost sounded like I said Wevins. Mike Evans. One of them was a beautiful, uh, deep uh, pass breakup. He just covered him perfectly down the left sideline. Another one was over the middle where he was real physical and kind of came right into him and, and broke up the pass. And obviously got the pick six to seal the game, being in the right place at the right time. He just had a game. And that is something that you love to see because, because the 49ers are super dependent on developing a number two corner opposite Sherman. And I say that for two things. One, they want to have both sides shored up, but two Sherman's not going to be around forever. And they want to have a guy that they could kind of rely on once he takes off. And it was good to see Witherspoon get a little bit of redemption. Um, I know that Fred Warner, in fact, we know kind of at this point what to expect from Fred Warner because he's been pretty good. I'm looking forward to seeing Quan Alexander for an entire game because that guy was gone pretty quick. He put a little lick on Jameis Winston when he was sliding, got ejected from the game. It was understandable. Uh, He hit him in the head. It was it was bang, bang. It was quick. But at the same time, that's just how it works. So uh, are there any guys that you're looking forward to, man? What are you thinking?
1: No, nah, I think you you kind of you know covered it. The the guys I want to see, I, I just want to see guys play together as a unit and get some receivers more involved to kind of take some of the pressure off of George Kittle or just the fact that George Kittle has to do everything. Um, you know, I really want to see uh, Debo Samuel. I I want to see them do more things to Debo Samuel's strength. I thought everything was kind of with him. A lot of the concepts were him downfield. I would like to do, see him do more intermediate like route runners and kind of get him the ball in space
2: right we've got Matt Breida who's going to be stepping in Tevin Coleman Coleman is dealing with a high ankle sprain he's probably going to be out my guess would be at least maybe three or four weeks Uh, Matt Breida is going to step in which if he's healthy he's outstanding he's he's an outstanding back and the Bengals don't have the greatest rush defense so it'll be interesting to see uh, if Matt Breida can step up Uh, Raheem Mostert same kind of Uh, feelings towards him he had an unlucky broken arm last year but before that he looked outstanding both of them are extremely fast both of them can catch the ball really well so I think the 49ers backfield is going to have a lot more success this week than they did last week Um, they only averaged about three three yards per carry last week and I think they're going to do a little bit better today Raheem was doing real well he averaged 4.4 and broke off a couple runs that were kind of like statement runs there towards the end of the game that kind of put it away for the 49ers Uh, had a pretty mean stiff arm. So uh, I think the 49ers backfield will will do pretty well. And obviously the main, main person I'm going to watch is to your point, the old Jimmy G like, can he go out there and put together a little bit of a game, uh, a little bit better game than he had against the bucks and just be to me, I don't need my quarterback to make crazy plays. Like it doesn't have to be this huge downfield threat to me. Just be reliable, be consistent, be reliable. I mean,
1: just be what we've seen. Right, right. right? Just be what we've seen. And even right now, you know, until he kind of really gets it down, just be a good game manager and don't throw outside the numbers from the far hash to a squatting cornerback. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and when we say squatting, we mean squatting. Now, at the yeah. same time, I wonder how real this is. What do you think? You tell me if I'm if I'm just BSing here, Krog. But it was on the the, the Bucks sideline. Like – how easy is it from a quarterback's perspective to lose a defender in the sideline? Because he acted like he didn't see that guy at all.
1: And yeah, I, I don't know.
2: Out there, and he was only like three or four yards away from Coleman, and he just darted in front of the ball and, and took it off. I mean, it was on the Bucs sideline, so he's essentially uh, standing amongst all the bucks players. It was just weird, dude. It was it was a little weird.
1: Yeah, to me, it just really looked like a premeditated throw. It, right. it almost right. looked like no matter what I'm throwing here. If you remember back to 2017 with um, Brian Hoyer, I want to say it was the first play of the game against the Rams. Um, uh, Marquise Goodwin maybe ran a quick out, and, and uh, Hoyer just threw it. And I want to say Roby Coleman for the Rams picked it off and ran it back to the one-yard line. And it was like... I was like, Brent why, why'd you throw that? And it was almost like, no matter what, he was throwing the ball to that guy. And it seemed like something like that, like, you know, where it was right. just, it he did. had his mind made up that that's where he was going with the ball.
2: Right. And, and knowing Shanahan, I'm sure there's some plays that Shanahan calls, like, don't worry, it's going to be open. You know what I mean? Hopefully that wasn't one of those plays where Shanahan just straight up say, oh, Coleman will be open on this one. And he wasn't at all because that would kind of be damaging for a relationship between a head coach and a quarterback. But, you know, it was just like you said, it looked very predetermined. But I just want to see him have a consistent game. And what was interesting is usually – a quarterback has to win games in spite of the defense defense is giving up points. So the quarterbacks has to turn it up. Well, it was kind of the opposite against the bucks. Uh, the 49ers defense was picking off passes for touchdowns and, and running up the score, not running up the score, but creating some cushion in spite of the fact that the offense couldn't get much going. And, and that isn't all on Jimmy G, but I want to see him just be consistent, keep converting those third downs and just move the ball without making, you know, the, the throws that, He's going to have to ease himself back into the throws he's used to making. You go back and watch 2017, even when he was played amazing – a lot of those throws were super risky, you know, and and, and, and those windows are gonna close faster. Yeah, he, he's a bit he's, of a
1: gas member. He, he right. is a bit of a gas And Which I, I compare I, to
2: I like it, dude. I right. you know I like that. I loved watching Tony Romo play. He got a lot of grief, especially for 49ers fans. But I loved watching Tony Romo Tony Romo play football. And I feel like if i would rather have a quarterback that can uh, you know that that'll take those risks. But I think right now as he's still easing himself back into the game, just Take the take the easy yards. If, if, who cares if you're av- averaging six to seven yards of completion? Just move the ball, and, and we'll see what the rushing games um, is able to generate there. You got any, any final thoughts on the matchup against the Bengals?
1: Well, the, the big hitters are naturally going to be there because they're built into the offense. So as long as he just kind of continues to play within the confines of, of what Shanahan wants him to do, those big hitters on the crosshairs and the catch and runs like that, that that's going to be there and that's going to boost his yards per attempt and all of that. But um, as far as my last little um, notes on the game, I, I, I just say, I, I would like to see it be a little bit cleaner. 100%. You know, We had two touchdowns 100%. taken off the board or, or three touchdowns, right? Two, two Kittle uh, touchdowns and one Moster. Um Just play a little bit cleaner. And even that last game wouldn't even be close.
2: Right. No, I think that's a great point, especially because, you know, a lot of one, a lot of the common narratives is when a team draws a lot of preseason penalties, you know, some of that is on the team cleaning stuff up. But they're also the refs are a lot more strict and throwing stuff. Well, the 49ers went out week one and still got 11 and three of them wiped out frickin touchdowns. So they can't do that again. That's how you lose football games. They just got lucky in the fact that Jameis Winston was playing that bad and the pass rush was kind of clicking. So to me, my big thing is I just I'm going to I'm going to be looking at that pass rush again. I want to see them do that again, because if that is a consistent element of the 49ers team and the defense, then they're going to win football games because that just screws everything up. And if the pass rush can get there, I think a lot of the other stuff will fall into place and you'll just have a team that exudes a lot more confidence, you know, and I'm I'm going to kind of transition that into take care of the football. That's one of the most basic elements of football. Just take care of the ball. Don't let the other team take the ball from you, and I think that they'll have a lot of that falls into the well. Of course, too. That's obvious, but to me, it's just it's just take care of the football and let your defense kind of create some turnovers of its own, and uh, and it'll be interesting. But that's it for us. I mean, we got to forty. I felt like we got to forty five minutes, real real quick. We're at fifty five minutes. What am I <laughs> yeah. talking about? But um, but that's it for me and Croc. Croc, it was Austin having you back on here, man. It should be us every week. Yeah.
1: Yes, okay. sir. Really- okay, so
2: if you don't know the Strike and Gold lineup right now, Kevin Jones, the owner and CEO of the Blue Wire Network, will usually take the Sunday episodes, kind of recapping the, the game, and then me and Croc will usually be on, be on here every Wednesday night recording a podcast for you that's going to be published or you know broadcasted, whatever you want to call it, uh, Thursday. So no matter what, whether it's a Thursday night game, Sunday, whatever, we're going to have the preview for you. And uh, as always, I appreciate you guys being here. You wouldn't be able to do this without you guys tuning in. Um, tell your friends about it. Bring them over here to Strike and Gold. I feel like we're doing great things. And, and as always, like I said, thank you for being here. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing off.